Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mavs Podcast. This is your host, Will. I am unfortunately not joined here by my co-host, Jaren. As I told you guys in the earlier podcast today, um, as he's on a little vacation at the moment, but nonetheless, we will be getting into the Mavericks 105-90 to loss versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. Definitely one of the more flat games the Mavericks have played offensively. Um, they had a really tough time catalyzing anything. On the offensive side, even you know when Luca and Dinwiddie got got going during stretches in the fourth quarter and what have you, um, it still was just very grim outside of them. And even they themselves definitely did not play their best game. And you sort of see the limitations that you know persist with this team when they're not hitting three pointer. Um, you know, in this game, the Mavericks went thirteen for thirty eight. Uh, 34.2%, you know, definitely not, didn't shoot as many threes as they typically do, but, you know, I mean, still getting around that 40, uh, three point attempt marker is always something. Um, and I mean, the, (coughs) 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 sorry guys, as I referenced in the earlier pod, I'm still kind of recovering right now from a sinus infection, but I'm getting over it here. Um, pretty fast. So. You know, uh, just give me about one or two more pods before that's finally a complete redundancy. Um, but yeah, I mean, the dynamism that exists between the Cavs front court and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, um, not even really as much them um, just blocking a ton of shots, but I think it's already so preconceived of their both of those guys' defensive capability that, I mean, that really limited the Mavericks from getting inside the paint and um, you know, imposing their threat in the paint. Uh, I don't have the points in the paint stats pulled up right in front of me, but, uh, you know, w- with the inability to be able to, you know, particularly Luca uh, and Dinwiddie at times in this first half, to be able to score in the lane, um, you know, that gives the Cavaliers, um, you know, perimeter defenders, you know, and their guards up top and Mitchell, Garland and Lamar Stevens and Isaac Okoro, that gives them the ability to stay home on the Maverick shooters because, you know, the threat is not as huge with those, you know, two, I guess, I don't know, giants back there in Mobley and Allen. So you definitely saw how the Mavericks were, could easily be dry in the water on offense heading into this one. And, you know, defensively, you knew that um, basically the water was going to get in the cracks and um, break the rock essentially when Maxi Kleber and Josh Green were both pronounced out during this game. And we kind of knew Josh was going to be out beforehand. But, you know, once that news co- came down that Maxi was going to be out, you knew that eventually uh, the Mavericks were just not going to be able to sustain switching on the Cavs in this one. I mean, they had some decent stretches. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. even at times <laughs> in that third quarter was actually playing some very um, captivating defense, some very um, provocative defense trying to get the Mavericks going. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, the Mavericks, I mean, Reggie Bullock played 
and Dorian. They both kind of did as good as they could on both of those Cleveland guards. But the game that Donovan Mitchell had tonight was um, kind of just the penultimate revenge game. And, you know, there wasn't really much getting in his way. And, you know, once the Mavericks had to start trapping him and they used Allen in the short roll um, or Mobley for that matter to be able to um, pass to either one of those guys in the lob, you know, the, using that, that kind of a, that too big uh, passing to each other, almost reminiscent of like the twin towers back in the day um, that, that, you know, that was basically when the Mavericks defense was just screwed from that point on. And there's really no coming back from it, especially, um, you know, when you have wood matched up with one of Allen or Mobley and the Mavericks, you know, didn't really run too many, too big lineups. They went to, wooden pal a few times in this game but you know with both of those guys being um not minus defenders but average to minus defenders depending on the night of course um and those other two guys being pretty dynamic bigs and i mean especially with Allen, who's improved his offensive game just in terms of his ability to post up and shoot over guys in the lane uh quite a bit these last few years it, it was just um it, the Mavericks were simply outclassed and out talented in this one. Like there, there wasn't really much more they could do um, other than, you know, having to basically eat the fact that the Cavaliers personnel was better. Um, I mean, yes, the Mavericks could have had a better shooting game. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the Cavaliers themselves really like, I mean, they went eight for 24 on threes. It wasn't like they had some sort of an insane shooting game. They, basically did this strictly um, from their ability to, you know, manipulate the defense and shift the Mavericks defense over, get into the lane and uh, just make tough contested shots. I mean, from, you know, of course, primarily, you know, Donovan Mitchell, but, you know, Karis LeVert, um, Darlin at times, even though he didn't have the most assertive game, these were all guys that were getting into the lane, um, getting the ball to the bigs with these wraparound passes, you know, the second one of Wood or Powell stepped up, it was basically a done deal for the Mavericks in terms of, um, you know, either a giant killer coming from one of those guards in Mitchell and Garland or, um, you know, or Allen or Mobley just finishing a lob. And, you know, the Mavericks perimeter defenders, understandably so, had a really tough time staying with, uh, Mitchell, particularly, like if they went under on his screens, you know, the way he was shooting the ball in this one, there's really not much ways to guard him because he's just too fast coming off those screens. And, you know, the guy who only who actually was able to limit him a little bit was Frank Nitlikina in this game. And, you know, the argument is also probably that if Josh Green played, he could provide a little resistance as well. But, you know, Dorian and Reggie, as good as defenders as they are, um, you know, they're just definitely a little more better suited to guard twos and threes. Um, they're not as good of point of attack defenders as Nitlikina or green. And that definitely came to the Mavericks detriment in this one, um, just from the inability to match those guys foot speed. And I mean, you can't blame them. Like this was a sort of kind of, you know, just those sort of sum of all fear losses in terms of the Mavericks being, you know, outplayed from a talent perspective. And, uh, you know, Luca turned it around the second half, but there were, you know, also some weird first half happenings that have a lot of Mavericks fans riled up, particularly um, after the Cavaliers went on a 17-0 run. You know, the game was 34-30, to and then all of a sudden the Cavs were up 51-30 to to um, you know before the end of the second quarter, and Luka didn't 
shake Dwight Powell's hand when he had it out. He just had his head down as they were heading to a timeout. Definitely some, uh, you know, this team is kind of dead in the water right now. It's it's a rough scene right now. The Mavericks are back to 500 at 14 and 14. You know, we'll be getting all into this game, or I will, of course, without Jaren. Um, but before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, guys, so getting into this one, of course, you know, the Mavericks came out fairly flat in that first quarter. We saw, um, you know, Luca actually had a few pretty good possessions in that first quarter where he was able to, you know, manipulate the defense, get some and ones, get into the lane. He went 10 for 11 on free throws tonight, which, you know, led to his 30-point night. Um, but, there, you know, you could definitely see that, this Mavericks offense was a little more flat than it usually is. Guys just weren't hitting, you know, the open threes. You know, I thought Dinwiddie and Doncic, particularly in that first quarter, actually had, you know, enough of a pep in their step in terms of being able to um, get to get in the lane and then, you know, kick the ball to the perimeter to start that domino effect where, you know, you're getting shooters going, um, and they're knocking down shots and what have you. It's just a matter of the fact that the Mavericks weren't able to knock down shots in this one. Um, but, you know, I think once we saw the Cavs defense sort of be able to counteract, um, you know, Doncic and Dinwiddie getting into the lane in that second, third, and fourth quarter um, by, you know, having timely help side defense, being a little more crisp on the rotations, just, you know, generally figuring out the Mavericks play style a little more. That's where we saw the Mavericks offense really stall out. But, you know, the Mavericks got off to a rough start just from the fact that they weren't really hitting their shots. Um, that carried over um, into the second quarter. After the Mavericks admittedly had a decent run to end the first quarter, uh, Christian Wood hit a three. He actually played pretty well in these uh, Doncic minutes, you know. It seems to be sort of up and down with him. But we always say, right, that he – in the Luca minutes, of course, that's, you know, how to utilize him best because um, that there's a sort of dynamism with those two guys offensively that, you know, even we saw Alan Mobley be able to like struggle against at times in this game, just because, you know, as good as those guys are at switching out onto the perimeter for their limitations, you know, by no means is that idealistic in terms of your preference of how you'd want them to be able to guard. I mean, Mobley more so than Alan can, do that a lot more of course but um christian wood you know was able to stretch the floor a few times in this game and uh, that that definitely led to his 20 point night uh you know he worked well in the pick and roll with luke i mean offensively you didn't really have any, have any gripes with him um obvi obviously he was hard pressed to be able to contain the cavaliers bigs and i mean i mean can we blame him i don't know um that's, you know, he played 35 minutes, one of his higher minute totals as a Maverick. You know, Jason Kidd rolled with him out of that third quarter. I just don't know if you can blame him. I mean, that's sort of like more so unfair expectations. I mean, you don't really have the personnel to be able to roll out there to, you know, counter those guys, um, especially when, you know, they're able to break a trap with Mitchell at the top of the key. I mean, there's really no guy that's going to be able to come over and, play effective helps ID just based on the Mavericks personnel at the moment um, with Maxi out. I don't know. It's just like, you know, I get the narratives around wood woods defense and what have you. Um, but I mean, it, that's just a really tough guard that he had tonight in, in those two guys. And I just don't know how much credence we can take away from that. In my opinion, 
Um, but I mean, I'm not saying it's no, I'm not saying it's good by any means. I'm not justifying it, but I just don't know if we can take a whole lot of credence from a game where he was matched up with those two guys, uh, especially, you know, when the defense uh, was collapsing upon Mitchell. And I mean, there's just, that's, that's a lot to ask. Um, but nonetheless, um, you know, the Mavericks actually were able to, you know, get some offense going within that second quarter um, after, you know, that rough shooting start. And, you know, Cleveland did have 34 in the second quarter. That's, of course, when they ran away with it. But in that first half of the second quarter particularly, um, you know, we saw the Mavericks being able to go to Dinwiddie a few times for, um, you know, he was able to get in the lane. Um, his offense definitely stalled out, and you saw the rim protection of the Cavaliers affect his decision-making and his shots in that second half. But he got going for a brief little stretch there. Um, we saw, I think that was Tim Hardaway Jr.'s only three of the night, um, definitely not the highest-spirited game from him in terms of his shooting. But, I mean, he only went one for five. He didn't. He just didn't shoot a ton. Um, Dorian had a fairly rough shooting game going two for eight. Um, but, you know, I mean, a couple – wood isolations and some, you know, swinging the ball around the perimeter, uh, Dinwiddie being able to get the defense to collapse at times in that second quarter for open Reggie Bullock threes kind of helped the Mavericks stay in the game along with Frank Nilekina's defense on Donovan Mitchell at, at points, you know, Mitchell really got to cooking. Um, you know, I guess Frank played better more so on Mitchell in that second half because that's when they actually threw him out there. But Frank, Nonetheless, I thought played really good defense on Lavert and Garland, whoever he was matched up in those non-Mitchell minutes. Um, but we we saw once Luca was subbed back in and all the starters came back in um, that the Mavericks simply had no answer for Donovan Mitchell. You know, like I said at the top, whether they were running over or under on screens. Um, I mean, you know, with his the way he was shooting the three tonight, um, he, he was just essentially unguardable. And, you know, I think the Mavericks could have definitely – um, acquitted some better resistance had they had Josh Green in there. Um, had they mirrored Frank and Mitchell's minutes a little bit better. But, I mean, that's being very nitpicky at that point. Like, at the end of the day, it that's, like, just a tough ass the way the guy was playing. He was hunting this revenge game after the 2022 playoffs, and it was very evident in terms of how, you know, Donovan Mitchell's playing this season and how he played in this game with his, you know, ability to be a three-level scorer and, um, you know, use his speed in the half court at unprecedented levels. That might be the most impressive part of his game. Um, you just, you know, he's like, he's very similar to SGA in terms of his pacing, even though they operate differently, you know, for Mit for Mitchell, it's more like explosion based. Like the second he gets that opening, it's like, boom, right. SGA, you know, he's able to just kind of manipulate the defense and snake through, um, but nonetheless, I, I both of those guys having seen them the past two games has been quite the revelation just from the standpoint of, you know, we're used to Luca, you know, dribble, dribble, dribble. And, you know, obviously a lot of the time it ends up being a good resultant, um, but he doesn't have that sort of herky jerky. I can just, I mean, Luca, you don't get me wrong. He does decelerate really well and, you know, he definitely changes it up. But in a guy like Mitchell or SGA, they have the ability to just turn their foot on the gas, right? And, you know, turn it to an, a next gear. And 
then, you know, all of a sudden just, oh, well, casually slow down into a Euro step. And, you know, Luca can definitely get going, but he just doesn't have the foot speed to, you know, match those sort those guys, right? And that's not to say that Luca's worse than them. I mean, I, he's obviously better than them. Is, you know, him the way way he's able to use his body is, um, I, I think honestly kind of trumps the both of those guys to an extent. Uh, but like nonetheless, um, to see that sort of play style and back to back games from the opposing team's best player has actually been fairly fun to watch. And I mean, yeah, I mean the way Mitchell played tonight. Uh, it was going to be tough for the Mavericks to win this game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, nonetheless, the um, Cleveland Cavaliers, of course, go on that 17-0 run after the Mavericks are kind of keeping themselves in the game in those non-Luka minutes. And they balloon the, the lead up to 51-30. I already talked about the Luka incident at the top of the podcast. I think that there's a deeper discussion to be had there that we can maybe get into in another podcast in terms of the whole Luka leaving one day thing, but I, I don't really want to hash it out too much. I'm, you know, he's clear. He was clearly frustrated. That much was evident. Right. Um, and it wasn't a deal where um, I don't think any Mavericks fans are coming away from that incident. Um, extremely happy or enlightened. So there's, there's that of course, right. That, that was not fun by any means. Um, but I mean, it, it definitely got bad within that second quarter when, you know, Lamar Stevens started, you know, making his – he made like a three and at one – I can't remember if it was the second or third quarter, but he made like a bank shot um, off the post. I mean, he was doing a really good job cutting, like filling the gaps on offense. He had a season-high 18 points, um, great hustle player, 11 rebounds. He did about as good of a job as anyone in terms of primary ball defenders I've seen on Luka. Um, I definitely wrote his presence on this Cavs team off before coming into this game. Admittedly, I haven't watched a ton of the Cavs and he's definitely elevated himself into that, um, into that three and D wing, even if, you know, he hasn't quite have the shot all the way there yet. You know, it's better than what Okuro is giving you offensively. Um, you know, if we're just talking about um, developmentally and what have you and, I mean, that definitely changes the outlook of this roster. If they could, um, if there's any way that they could get another three, like solid three and D wing off the bench. I mean, this team's a contender. There's no doubt about it there. This was very eerily similar to that Celtics and that Bucks game where you just felt the talent being too overwhelming for the Mavericks to overcome, I think is a very fair summation of this game. Um, but, you know, once, you know, the a flurry of Mitchell threes and, him, you know, basically picking apart the Mavericks and being able to get it to Mobley or Allen or Lavert or Stevens on the wing for them to be able to attack off closeouts, you know, or find the lob threats, of course, just absolutely torched the Mavericks in that second quarter. And, um, you know, you the Mavericks were, you know, visibly, definitely, like everybody was frustrated. You could hear swear words coming a lot from a lot of different players tonight on the floor. And, you know, once the Mavericks, you know, got over the um, the hell hole that the second quarter was in the third quarter. The Mavericks came out fairly strong in the opening minutes. You know, you they, of course, started with Wood, and we saw them. He had two threes basically right off the bat in that third quarter, and we, we saw the Mavericks, you know, use the one thing possibly that they could use to their advantage in terms of those uh, two twin towers with the Cavs, you know, forcing those guys to have to guard on the perimeter. And Wood was able to 
you know, once those guys collapsed in on Doncic, would had extremely wide open threes that he was able to knock in. And, you know, they, I think they could have maybe done a little more of that and got with the ball and in some spots on the, at the top of the key in the wing where he would be able to attack off um, some faulty closeouts off that. But, you know, nonetheless, he, while they did take advantage of him, I, I thought they could have done a little more, but I, I'm not going to be too nitpicky there. Um, the Mavericks were able to get some offense going there. Uh, Luca definitely turned it up. I mean, you know, while Luca did have a, I forgot to mention that, you know, Luca, Luca's really bad play in the second quarter. Um, you know, Luca had 30 points in this game and he definitely compensated for a pretty, I don't know. A, it was a pretty, you know, detrimental second quarter and, you know, fans on the timeline were definitely going wild at points because, I mean, there were like two possessions where Luca just passed it to the corner with nobody there. It just seemed like the awareness was off. He did have five turnovers tonight. Um, he was taking some sort of errant shots. Um, There's some, he was getting just some really like trash bounces um, inside of like eight feet when he'd get his little floaters or his layups going up. Um, I mean, he was getting to his spots, um, but he was just missing some bunnies and the body language is all over the place. He wasn't getting it back on defense. Uh, I definitely didn't want to escape from this podcast without how, without emphasizing how, you know, really flat he came out in that second quarter after his shot wasn't falling in that first. And he's got to do a better job as a leader of this team, you know, regardless of the narratives about the roster personnel and, you know, what the talent is surrounding him we do have to apply the criticism that he needs to be a better leader and um you know regardless of who he's playing for even if it's not the mavericks one day i mean that's a situation you know there'll be times that like when your teammates just aren't stepping up but you know that doesn't give you the excuse to you know be bogged down and not uplifting guys and just because you're playing bad as well and nothing's working like uh, you know, that that was unfortunate to see, but he definitely did pick it up in the second half. I give him credit for that. Um, got his body language better. He never, you know, the reason I don't think the Luca body language narratives are bigger than they are because at the national level, you know, they definitely uh, harped on that quite a bit. But the reason I don't think they're even a bigger issue is simply for the fact that Luca does sort of, um, you know, reparate what he ends up doing in lots of these games. I mean, he'll have, that sort of bad body language for, for stretches, but he knows when he screws up. And that, that's something I do admire about him. That's fun to see, so, you know, even if it's, he still continues to play bad, he'll at least pick his head up and what have you. Um, but, you know, he came out and was really aggressive in that third quarter um, was getting the defense on his hip. Um, and I mean, to the extent that, I mean, even Allen and Mobley were no match for them, for him when switched on, him even with inside the three-point arc, he was getting to the rim at will. I mean, you could just tell he was pissed off and he was making a lot of and ones. He he wasn't gonna um, you know, I think it's like 35 games in a row where he scored at least 20 points. It's the most in Mavericks history. He just masked up Mark Aguirre. Um Luca was not gonna go out of this one without a bang. Um, especially with that rough start in the um second quarter coming out as flat as he did. We knew that he was gonna regress back to the mean it was just a matter of when and you know at least we saw that and you know while his shot wasn't falling tonight he was being really aggressive um you know speaking of a 
aggressiveness. This is definitely not what lost the Mavericks the game by any means. I don't want that to become a narrative at all, but the referees were definitely a little shaky in this one. There's no doubt about that. They had some really questionable calls, particularly on some travels. I know Spencer got called for one or, you know, Spencer got called for one that was kind of weird, but even more so the Christian Wood one. Um, they, you know, had that Darius Garland play, of course, at the end of the of the third quarter that I'll get into, you know, that um, Garland seemingly wasn't even touched by any Mavericks players, merely tripped, but there was a foul called. And then supposedly the Mavericks were impeding upon his landing space. So after a coach's challenge by Jason Kidd, which is very rare, I might add, um, they still called it a foul. And then the Mavericks failed to substitute a fifth player in after like bringing one of them out after the first free throw and got called for a f- only four men on the f- uh, court violation. Then Garland gets to shoot another free throw. And that's just like a little three point swing. And when the Mavericks in all reality could have easily, you know, only been down 12, they went down 15 into the fourth quarter. Like, you know, it's it, that obviously did not help by any means, but the referees, I don't think like they don't lose this game for the Mavericks. Um, the Mavericks lost this game themselves. That's a narrative that needs to be dispelled, but they, they definitely didn't help by any means. Uh, I think we can admit that much, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, after the Mavericks were able to, <coughs> I apologize guys. Um, but yeah, after the Mavericks were able to, you know, really get some of their offense going within that third quarter, um, you know, just really just Luca. I mean, um, Spencer had a few decent drives, admittedly, um, and had some good, you know, penetration and kicks. Bullock hit a few more threes. Um, but I mean, it, it was it's solely like Luca based in this one um, in that third quarter where we just saw him take over and he was pissed off. And that's what really, you know, led the Mavericks to win that fourth, uh, third quarter. Uh, but come the fourth quarter, once Lucas sat, um, it looked, especially after that momentum swing at the end of the third quarter where the Cavs could sort of regain their senses a little bit, you, you know, you could definitely tell that the Mavericks defense only had so much more juice in the tank after Mitchell was just running all over them in the pick and roll all night, manipulating the defense every which way. And, you know, once they started to attack that short roll with, and uh, use um, Mobley and Allen together. It, it was it was wraps, and the Mavericks, you know, their their shots couldn't really keep up at that point. You know, I've seen a lot of Mavericks fans on Twitter actually listen to the seventy seven minutes in heaven podcast. Uh, shout out to Tim Cato and all the grandiose Mavericks um, beat writers and the guys who actually get paid to do this. Not like me and Jaron, of course, um, but. They, you know, there's been a lot of discourse on Mavericks Twitter regarding three-point variants and the Mavericks only hitting shots when their defense is synchronized. And there's definitely some credence to that. You know, when the Mavericks defense starts to slip, um, you can just tell that they end up shooting, you know, more wildly contested shots at the end of the shot clock. Um, the uniformity in, um, in terms of, guys knowing when to take shots just isn't there on offense. We see a lot of guys tend to overpass sometimes. Um, And, you know, just it's 
the offense isn't as invigorated with juice or spirited, you know, Dinwiddie or Doncic will sometimes stall out before they should keep driving to, you know, move the ball over to the next guy. I mean, things like that, right. That there is some sort of mental tie-in with the Mavericks not making um, threes and their defense. Like that's objectively true as weird as it is. Right. I mean, I guess it's really not weird if you think about it, that can see how um, that definitely can get to the team. I mean, these guys aren't just robots. Um, but yeah, that definitely, um, that that's definitely something that I feel like followed up in this game, particularly in that fourth quarter. Um, once the Mavericks defense just, you know, basically hit a brick wall and there was no more answers they could put, put out there. The Mavericks were really switch heavy in this game. They didn't really play any zone, which I mean, I, I can't really blame them. I just think that they, but the Cavs outside shooting and, um, you know, their ability to use Mobley as that centerpiece in the lane. I, I could have easily seen them being able to bust a zone, but it would have been interesting to see during stretches if they could have just used it to throw them off a couple possessions. Definitely not something they would have wanted to go to all game, though. Um, but, yeah, and, you know, nonetheless, the Mavericks just kind of looked flat after that. And um, Cavs basically maintained their lead the rest of the fourth. And, you know, Mavericks – Put in Jaden Hardy, Tyler Dorsey, McKinley Wright, the fourth, Theo Pinson, and Davison in garbage time, and with about two, three minutes left, and didn't really do much. And that was the game, man. Um, you know, we can get into players specifically, um, their performances, but, you know, barring that, it, it was the Mavericks were simply out talented. It's, it's just the same, same old stuff, different day with this team. I mean, I, I don't really know, like, there's not really anything new to go away with on this game, you know, especially with the sugar glider being out and Josh green, like there's just, it just was a very like dull and exciting game and did more harm than good, especially with the way, you know, the whole Luca body language narrative in that second quarter. Um, but I mean, if we want to talk about, you know, just specifics, Frank played really good perimeter defense in this one, but um, you know, he attacked off a close at one time and, got stuffed by the rim on a layup, which is really funny. You can just see the, the lack of offensive variety there with him. I mean, he has his moments on offense, but overall you can still see the developmental – the development project's just not there with Frank, and he's been in the league for like six years, but like he just never has been able to furbish his offense. And, you know, it's like at what point is he not a developmental player anymore? Like, right, you know, he's just uh, end of rotation sort of guy that you can throw out there. And, I mean, that's what he is at this point in his career. Reggie continues to have a really good shooting month in December. I posted a poll today out on Twitter regarding who's more expendable between uh, Tim and Reggie. And um, I mean, Tim proved that it was him in this game, but I mean, you, uh, that's operating game to game. Tim's been playing really well recently. I don't know. I think there's an argument to be made on both sides, but um, you know, definitely two guys that need to be capitalized upon when their value is at its apex, whenever that is. Uh, but Reggie went um, three for five from, uh, three tonight he had a nice cut um where it's nice to be you know see him regress back to the mean in terms of his shooting i mean it's something that's very much well needed and um i mean it's essentially the hallmark of his game so he, he seems like it as i talked about with the mavericks team earlier with their perimeter defense it's kind of being synchronized and their switchability and their rotations being as crisp as they are 
um, being related to their three-point shooting. You know, we saw the Mavericks rotations look really slow and out of place at, at times in this game. I mean, understandably so with the um, Cav- Cavaliers point of attack guys and Mitchell and Garland, but I mean, it was pretty bad. And, uh, but, you know, Reggie's the same way though, in that sense where um, the defense kind of only follows up on the shooting sky, but you know, I honestly thought he did a decent job, you know, maybe even better than Dorian in this one in terms of um, having to match up against Mitchell and Garland, particularly on Garland. He thought he did a decent job limiting him and, um, but you know, Mitchell was incomprehensibly good tonight. There wasn't really anybody gonna, that was going to be able to guard him. You know, I feel like we've talked about Christian Woods game tonight at nauseum. did really good in the, in the Luca minutes, had a few decent possessions in the non Luca minutes where he was able to, you know, furbish his own offense, but, um, you know, he was doing as much as he could out there from a rebounding and defensive perspective, but, you know, he's just not going to be able to stand up to the twin towers, like on the other side, like. Um, it kind of was what it was, but, you know, I thought he played okay. Um, at least a high minute game from him. Um, I was really interested. The Mavericks didn't throw McGee out there at all, but I mean, I, can you blame him with the way he played defensively against Chicago? <laughs> I don't think really at all. Um, but, um, you know, it's, I was at least intriguing, I guess. Right. Um, Davis played a few minutes. Didn't, he got two threes up that didn't go in seemed like the Cavaliers keyed on him pretty well. So it was kind of tough for him to really catalyze anything on that end. He made like a garbage bucket in garbage time. Um, you know, we've Luca definitely swing things back around, but you know, that early stretch in that first and second quarter definitely hurt him. And it's really unfortunate that Luca has to be at the absolute apex God mode of his game every night for this team to win games um, a lot of the time. And, you know, that's a, that's for another pod. And that's definitely a pod that will be coming out when we do our trade pod and everything, you know, we'll have some different things around Christmas time coming out for sure. But that that's a, that's a, a very sad reality of this team, in my opinion. Um, you know, definitely wasn't the craziest Spencer game. Um, he wasn't insanely assertive, but, um, you know, I, I thought Luca was definitely taking a bulk of the isolation possessions in that third quarter and uh, he definitely didn't defer to Spencer as much as we've seen in some games. And, um, you know, Spencer had a few turnovers, he had three in this game. It was just really eh, sort of so-so kind of game from him. He was a minus 30, which was the worst plus minus on the team. I will say that he did not look good defensively in this game. But, I mean, he, he also at points was, you know, having to be matched up on those three playmakers in Levert, Garland, and Mitchell. So, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, how much can you blame him? But. It's like, you know, Spencer has had his moments defensively this year where he's looked really good as an off-ball defender. He's also had his moments where he's looked very flat. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that was very noticeable. Um, But it was just kind of, you know, we would have liked to see a little more Spencer assertiveness. But, you know, like I said, the the Allen and Mobley affected a lot of decision-making for a lot of Mavericks tonight. Um, Particularly Spencer, I think, was honestly one of the bigger ones in terms of, him not going into the lane as much and, you know, getting his normal shot diet, right? Um, Dwight Powell, in the 12 minutes that he played, you know, I, the reason the Mavericks had to defer to Christian Wood so much, uh, Dwight Powell just looked terrible defensively. Whoever he was switched on to in this one, he was getting beat by. You know, when he's when we're not playing zone, um, you know, I've said it a ton, Dwight Powell's a terrible man defender. 
And that was, you know, overtly evident in this game. And, um, you know, with the way that they were able to drop Allen a lot in this game and made the lob threat hard. I think Dwight really was only able, he got that one and one lob that was really nice, but barring that, it was just really hard to get anything going on offense. The Cavs stayed back on him and, you know, with his inability to shoot to just make things really hard. Um, he only had two rebounds. Um, like I said, you know, Tim, I thought was another guy that his shot diet was affected to an extent, you know, just from the standpoint that he didn't really attack at all. Um, but he just didn't shoot a lot in this game, which was kind of odd. Um, he did have a little interesting defensive stretch there in that third quarter where he like really keyed in on Lavert and Garland. Like he played some really good perimeter defense, but that wasn't like an all game type of thing. Like they were definitely the normal Tim Hardaway missed rotations and uh, lackadaisical closeouts and all that sort of stuff. Um, but in that third quarter, he did have a nice little stretch, which was funny to see. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like the best him game by any means, but like, he didn't like go like one for 14. I'd rather him go one for five than one for 14. So in a game where he like, wasn't as assertive, I mean, whatever Dorian, you know, he held his own as much as he could on defense. He had, he was matched up with Mitchell a lot when they should have honestly tried to put Reggie and Frank on him more because those guys are going to have more foot speed than Dorian, even if Dorian is a better all overall defender, but you know, he only played 25 minutes. Um, knocked in a couple threes, but not the best shooting game from him. Two for seven. He had a ton of wide open looks in that first and second quarter. I mean, I'm talking like nobody within 15 feet, and he just was not hitting them. Um, you know, I, I get Dorian is a 38 to 40 percent three point shooter the last few seasons, but we have to understand that the type of looks he's getting are elite. Like, I mean, not many guys are getting these, you know, that that sort of normal um, shot diet. So, you know, nonetheless um it was just really and with the we know like it just goes to show the one dimensionality of it all with the mavericks role players inability to step up in this one how it really hurt them um and how you know when those guys are not able to you know or the mavericks really just don't have those guys to be able to furbish their own offense i mean you know even look you look at stevens on the other side and i, mean, I, I can't say i watch all the Cavs games and um, you know, know how he does consistently, but I mean, that's the Cavs fifth starter, a uh, guy who's supposed to be more their glue three and D guy, but was able to do some off the dribble things, attack off closeouts, make some mid range jumpers. I mean, it, it's like the Mavericks just don't have guys like that. And, and I'm, I don't know if Lamar Stevens does it every game, but nonetheless, like that, that's the sort of compelling narrative we take away from this, right? The Mavericks were out talented it's another game where the personnel fills in, you know, there's been other games where the Mavericks have sort of had aberrations in terms of, you know, these, them having these complete and utter meltdowns. And those are the games that we're looked to, to be calling them, you know, like the worst losses of the season and all this. Um, but in this one, I mean, like just purely out talented and it's kind of redundant to talk about it anymore. I mean, it was what it was, right. How much more can you get into it? Um, you know, just looking at it here, the Mavericks will be, Back on Friday versus the Trailblazers at home. Um, we'll see how it goes compared to that first Trailblazers matchup, which was fairly fun. Um, but, yeah, it was just – it was a rough scene. Hopefully we'll get, like, a little preview podcast on the day of the uh, Trailblazers game, you know, previewing that game a little bit more. Uh, it's just ba basking in the sadness. There will be a lot of fake trades getting thrown out. It's December 15th now, so a lot of contracts in the NBA become tradable. 
I don't know if the Mavericks have assets to really pull anything off. I've seen a lot of discourse and rumors going on on Twitter about everything. It's really hard to believe anything at this point. It's like executives telling executives in this one Eric Pinkus um, piece, which was really funny. Like, oh, ex-executive believes that the Mavericks should sign X player. But it's like, like, what does that executive on another team's opinion hold any more than mine, right? I mean, unless he he's like uptight with Nico or anything. It's just – it's that we're at that point in the NBA season. We're definitely going to see some things go down league-wide in terms of trades. That's why we're going to get our trade podcast out here soon. But, you know, as soon as Jaron gets back on the 17th after that uh, that post-game pod, whoever the Mavericks are playing Saturday night after that Blazers game, I'll need to – I think it's the Cavs again, to be honest. Um, let's see. Yes, it is Cleveland again. Um, maybe that Sunday around there, we're going to try to get a trade podcast out because um, there's some bigger st- pitcher stuff that we're just holding off talking about because it gets redundant talking about on um, the struggles of this team when they get out talented game to game. Um, but yeah, we'll be back. I'll be back um, maybe before the game on Friday at the very worst after the game on Friday. Um, but I will catch you guys in the next one. Make sure to, to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're on, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure to um, give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined. Follow us on Twitter at Mainstream underscore Mavs, and we will catch you guys in the next one. Peace out.